Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Back up a bit. Chapter 9, verse 37. Look at it. Notice what he says. Of all the things that he could have said, notice in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, circle this, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Here is the solution. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. The solution is prayer. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. Saints, we need to understand something. We know, believe, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Salvation is a gift of God. The work of salvation for us on the cross was done by Jesus, and there's nothing you can add to it. Grace plus nothing equals salvation. There's a mathematical equation. Grace plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus died on the cross for our salvation. But we don't stop right there. It is also likewise equally our responsibility to take the witness of the cross to the world. Yes, Jesus died for us. No, we can't add anything to it. It's a done deal, signed, sealed, delivered to you. Done. Don't add anything to it and don't take anything away from it. But it doesn't stop there. We have a responsibility now to take the witness of the cross to the world. And so Jesus said, listen, there's a lot of work to be done, so pray. Now, it was interesting for me to see, perhaps for you too, someone once said, prayer changes things. Well, listen to this. Prayer not only changes things, but prayer changes you. Prayer not only changes things, but prayer changes you. Did you notice the laborers that are praying in chapter 9 are the laborers they become in chapter 10? The laborers that Jesus says to his disciples to pray in chapter 9, we move on to in chapter 10, they are the laborers that they have been praying would come. Interesting. So in other words, they start praying, Lord, send forth laborers. Oh, we start praying, Lord, send forth laborers. Lord, here I am. Send them. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. Uh, Hold it, hold it, partner. 
That's not the way it works. You see, when you pray, Lord, here I am, it was Isaiah who said, send me. We are the ones who are affected by the prayer. That's what happens. See, that's why it's important. Be careful what you pray for because you just might get it. That's why. Because when you pray, your heart's going to be changed. And it's not here I am, Lord, send them. It's here I am, send me. See, oftentimes we think, man, if I could just, here I am, Lord, if I could just get them to church and hear Pastor Rodney, surely they'll get saved. Or, Lord, if I could just get them to this place or get them to hear that or get them to this place. No, God wants to use you. God wants to use every single one of us. You see, the burden, the responsibility of the ministry and the burden of the responsibility of carrying the gospel to the world rests on every single born-again believer, bar none. Every one of us. Not just the ministers, but every single believer is responsible to take the gospel out to the world. So Jesus tells them to pray for laborers, and Jesus sends them as the laborers. See, that's why here at Calvary Chapel, when people come up to us and tell us that they have various ministry ideas, and people have great ministry ideas. And they come to leadership all the time, and one of the pastors or elders or deacons, and, you know, I've got this great idea, and, you know, we should be doing this, and we should be doing that, and we should be doing that. Well, you, you know what we tell them? We tell them, great, that, that sounds awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and do it. And they go, well, that wasn't quite what I meant. I mean, I meant the pastors are supposed to do it. I want the leadership to do it. But me? No, not me. Well, listen, look, let me save myself a counseling appointment here, okay? I'm going to just cover this right now, all right? I'm saving me a counseling appointment, all right? If you have a ministry idea, yes, bring it to us. Yes, tell us about it. Yes, we want to see if what you are thinking and feeling is consistent with the heart and the philosophy of ministry of Calvary Chapel. We want to check out that. We want to know that that's good. But once we say to you, hey, great, go do it, then we are expecting you to go do it. And if you don't want to do it, then, then don't tell us. I mean, what do you want me to tell you here? You know, because, because we, that's not the way we approach ministry. You see, God gave you that burden. God gave you that heart. And too often we take a burden that God has given us and we want somebody else to do it. And that's not the way it works. It's unbiblical. And we can see it's unbiblical. Because the guys that Jesus tells to pray for laborers actually become those laborers. And they are saying, in effect, Lord, here am I, send me. Just like Isaiah, and they went. The first number one characteristic of a true disciple, a true follower, listen, you got to have, first of all, a desire for God to use you. You have got to be willing, if you're going to be a true disciple, you have got to be willing to swap your plans for his plans. You have got to be willing to swap or switch or substitute your plans and your desires and your purposes and your goals for his plan, purpose, desire, and goals. If you're really going to be a disciple, if you're truly going to be a follower, you got to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's not about what I want to do, God. It's about what you want me to do. And now here's ministry stuff 101. If you want to be used of God, you, you can't have your own plan. 
You can't have your own desires. You know, for many, many years, I've, I've been in ministry, as many of you know. And prior to coming here and prior to the pastorate, I was actually recording a gospel album. And I wanted to sing for Jesus. I was just going to sing my way to heaven. I was going to sing for the Lord. And, and, and I wanted to make videos, and, and I wanted to be used in that way, and God was blessing me in that way. And I had already recorded this little project they call a, an EP, which is an extended play, and you're supposed to make a nice extended play, a little four, five, six-song project, and then go shop it around to Sparrow Records and whoever they might be that you want to you know, do, do, do business with. And I was doing that, and, and I had a, you know, a decent product, I thought. And, uh, and I wanted to make videos and stuff and do that kind of thing for God. But God interrupted my life. And God interrupted me and said, Rodney, that's not what I want you to do. Rodney, what I want you to do is I want you to move to a place you've never been to. What, Lord? You want what? Yeah, oh yeah, I want you to move to North Carolina and I want you to begin to affect the community, the triangle community. That's what I want. Now, it was at that point, I could have said, God, man, that sounds nice. Oh, that sounds great. But I really want to finish my album project, and I want to do music videos. And, you know, I really believe that if I had kept doing those things, I believe God would have blessed me because he was already blessing me. But I don't want to be in God's permissive will. I want to be in God's perfect will. Amen, saints? I want to be exactly where you want me, God. Because I want you to work in me and powerfully through me. And I want to be, you know what, if God said, I don't want you to record albums and music, I want you to be a janitor at at the Hardee's restaurant, I would have said, God, that is a really bad job. <laughs> Not if you do but, <laughs> but But I would have done it for his glory. I would have. Reluctantly, but I would have. <laughs> I hate it when I have to be honest. <laughs> But you see, because it's about his will. So if you are going to be a disciple of his, you've got to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And too often I fear, I think it's true, the number one reason why many people are not used of the Lord because they aren't willing to swap and switch and substitute and proxy their plans for his plan. You see, the disciples, they were obviously willing to stop what they were doing to follow Jesus. I mean, these guys were normal guys. I think when we read the Bible, you know, sometimes we, we think that they were super saints. Or you go to Duke Chapel. Have you been to Duke Chapel? It's beautiful. And you walk in and it's glass mirrors, glass um, windows and stained glass windows and the disciples are all in the windows and they, they've got halos over their heads and there's Mary and Joseph and, and they look so holy. Ah. When you walk in, don't the music just say, hallelujah. You know, and you go, oh man, those guys are really holy. I'll never be that holy. Look at them. Their halos are bright and shiny. You know, when you read the Bible, you see their halos weren't that shiny. And they really weren't. 
I mean, these were normal guys who just wanted to follow Jesus. They had jobs. They had dreams. They had aspirations. They were trying to work hard and build a business. And someday maybe they could retire and go move to Hawaii and play golf. You don't know they didn't have Hawaii in Jesus' time. How do you know? Well, they wanted to go there and just be people and be retired people. They had their plans. But when Jesus showed up and said, follow me, they dropped everything to follow him. And maybe at first they thought they were following him for a short period of time. Maybe they, were, they thought they were going to hang out with the Messiah for a moment. Maybe they thought they would hang out long enough to get a good feeling or have a good time or get in good with God. And then they could go back to fishing or back to tax collecting. And Jesus said, no, 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 that's not what I want. No, I want you to follow me forever. I want you to drop your nets. No more fishing for fishes. Is that a word? Now we're going to fish for men. No more tax collecting money. Now we're going to collect souls. Follow me. True discipleship. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. God, take my life and make something out of my life. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Why don't you read that with me, would you? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You know, according to this verse, the implication is this, that apart from Christ, prior to knowing Christ, you did not have a future and you did not have a hope. But now because you know Christ, now because you are a follower, now because you are a disciple, now he wants to give every born again believer a future and a hope. But you got to say, God, I desire to be used by you, number one, if you're truly going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Our second point, our second and final point, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are going to have to be a person who does not trust in your own ability or your own potential. For it is not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can't be one who trusts in yourself. Well, where'd you get that from, Rodney? Well, look in your Bibles in verse 8. When he called the disciples, he gave them, notice, power over unclean spirits. He gave them power. Did you see that? Over unclean spirits to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. You see, the disciples, they knew that they were powerless apart from Christ. They knew that it was Jesus who promised to provide the power to do what he called them to do. Remember in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus breathed on them, receive ye the spirit. And notice he didn't say, now go change the world right now. He said, now I want you to go into Jerusalem, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and when you have received, you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world. You see, you have to wait because he's the one who gives the power. It's not in your own ability. It's not in your own potential. It's not in what you can do. 
It's what he wants to do through you. Did you notice a list of names here in your Bible? Did you notice these guys are not the who's who? They're more like the who's them. Did you notice that? If you were going to start an impacting worldwide ministry, you wouldn't choose these guys. Oh, no. These guys are not the who's who. They're more like the who's them. But it's interesting to me that Jesus chose them because, and he intentionally chose them because he wanted to be the one to provide the power that they were going to need in the ministry and not rely upon themselves. So let me introduce you to the team. Here's the lineup. First of all, notice in your Bible, we have Simon, who is called Peter. Now, I don't know about you, but, but everyone, pretty much everyone likes Peter. Because everyone can identify with Peter. Someone once said that Peter had the foot and mouth disease. And that's why we can all identify with him. He has a foot-shaped mouth, someone said. Peter was the one who was always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Peter's the kind of guy who would say, ready, fire, aim. <laughs> Isn't that true? And Peter, I mean, he's a great guy. You study the scriptures, you can see Peter's a great guy. He's got some great strengths. He's fun. He's bold. He's excited about God. He's outgoing. He's courageous. He's gregarious. Courageous guy. But it's very interesting as you look at the life of Peter, his greatest strength was also his greatest weakness. Because at times he lacked courage. Remember, he denied that he ever knew Jesus. And the amazing thing is that Jesus knew that and he still chose him to be one of his disciples, Simon, whose name means, write this down, shifting one. <laughs> shifting one? Yeah, that's kind of how he was. That was characteristic of his life pre-Holy Spirit. But then Jesus, you know, he changed his name to Peter which means rock or stable one. Interesting. You see, the Lord renamed Peter because the Lord was going to reform Peter. And we can see that in Acts chapter 3. Peter gave one of the greatest altar calls in history. He preached the gospel. 3,000 people came and got saved. Acts, uh, uh, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Read them in your own time. You can see a man who... Peter's a very interesting character study. You can see a man who was fun and loving and bold and gregarious and outgoing, and yet he lacked faith and lacked courage, and his life was just shifting sand. And man, after the Holy Spirit came upon him and empowered him, you see a totally different man. You know, that's what happens in the life of every person. When you become a Christian, God makes your life better. He just does. And we can see that in the life of Peter. The power of the Lord had come upon him. And you see this incredible burst of potential that comes from his life. And then we have Andrew in our text. Andrew, Peter's brother. Andrew's very different than Peter. He's quite shy. He's quiet. He just kind of hangs out in the background in the shadow of Peter. And this tells us that the Lord uses all different types of personalities. I mean, the Lord doesn't just choose the outgoing, over-the-top, triple-A-type personalities. He chooses quiet people also. 
which makes sense. I mean, somebody got to shut up. You know, no comments from the peanut gallery, all right? But he, somebody's got to be quiet. So Andrew, he's just kind of the quiet guy. And then we have James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were called, you know it, the sons of thunder. Why? Because they had really bad tempers. It's interesting, you know the story. Jesus was doing the ministry and, and, and the people weren't responding, responding the way that, that James and John thought they should respond. And they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, the people aren't listening. Shall we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? And Jesus said, whoa, man, lighten up. <laughs> I came to save people, not scorch them. You see? These guys had really bad temper. John was tough. He was a tough guy. But we know he softened up. How? Because he wrote five books of the New Testament. And he's the disciple that Jesus loved. And then there's Philip. Philip was a skeptic. Unsure about a lot of things. John chapter 6. Philip is the guy that Jesus turned to and said, Where are we going to get food to feed the 5,000? And Philip said, Nowhere. There ain't, ain't a store open. And then Philip said, look, Lord, let them go home and eat. I mean, why we got to feed them anyway? You don't need to eat in my house. Go home and get something to eat. Come back. And in that story, it was Andrew. Beautiful story. There's a boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. Fed the 5,000, probably 15,000 men, women, and children. Philip was a skeptic. And then we have in our text Bartholomew. Bartholomew was also named Nathaniel. If you read the Gospels, you'll see it was Nathaniel that Peter went to and said, hey, you won't believe what happened to us today. Really? What? We met God. We met the Messiah. And it was Bartholomew who said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You see, Jesus said, and right after that, he said, I saw you sitting under a tree. It's a great story. We don't have time to go over it. And then we have in our text, notice, here's the team that's going to go out and impact the world. Not by their own ability, but by God's ability. Then we have Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. When people say his name, they scrunch their face. Doubting Thomas. Boo, Doubting Thomas. You know what? I don't boo Thomas. I think Thomas was great. I, matter of fact, I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Thomas helped more people than Thomas will ever know. Oh, you remember the story? Jesus is gathered in the upper room with his disciples and he's telling them that he's going to leave and where he's going, that he's going away and, and the way they know, and, 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 but they can't come now. He's talking to them about his departure. And all the disciples are sitting there and they're listening and they're like, yeah, 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 we understand. When, when they really didn't. Oh, you know how it is when you were in school. You remember those days when a teacher would be talking about something and you completely did not know what they were talking about? But you would sit there and go, oh, yes, I completely understand. You understand, class? Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. You understand? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure the disciples were the same way. And Jesus is talking about going in the way you know and where I'm going you know and you can't come now but someday you will be here to come. And all the disciples are like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. You understand? Oh, yeah, 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 oh, we get it. You understand? Yeah, I get it. You understand? Yeah, I get it. They're all understanding. When Thomas says, Lord, hello, no, I don't understand. I don't get it. And Lord, they don't get it either. They're just acting like they do. 
They don't get it. And it was at that moment that Jesus quoted that very famous scripture, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. You see, Thomas gets a bad rap and called Doubting Thomas. But thank God Thomas spoke up and said, I don't get it, Lord. Because Jesus said, okay, then here it is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And none of you, and no one through all time in the corridors of history can get to the Father except through me. Thank God for doubting Thomas. I love him. Thomas was a skeptic. Philip was a skeptic. Do you know, if you're here this morning and you're a skeptic, no problem with that. Skepticism is good, as a matter of fact. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.